Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hi, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. I was, I didn't even realize what I was doing while I was doing it while we were recording, but I just took the socks off. And that means it's time to play. Come on, babe. It's time to play. And this space we create together can't have socks on because I need to feel the earth between my toes, connect with nature, and just really appreciate all the good stuff going on. Do right you do now. all your recordings sockless? Gotta be barefoot, baby. Gotta get that Jack Johnson vibe flowing through me. And my first topic today, I'm so glad we could find such a smooth segue, <laughs> is Jack Johnson's wonderful music. No, His it's not. His wonderful beach poetry. It's not. Baby, why do you think I take my socks off? It's so you can admire my bubbly toes. Mm, that's nice. Wait, that's the Colby Callier song. His is, uh, damn it. No, I think it is. No, she did. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Sorry, I had a... But she has a song, too, that's also like, In your bubbly toes, or choose... And I'm pretty sure those songs came out in the same year. So now the the Illuminati's definitely real. It's like a... um, Oh, what are those disaster movies that came out at the same time? It's an Armageddon Deep Impact situation, definitely. Now, I think Jack Johnson would be the Deep Impact, and Colby Kalia would be the Armageddon Discuss at home. I don't know who this Colby is. She did that. It starts in my nose and my bubbly toes. Oh. Are you sure? Yeah, that was her, I think. Anyway, this is wonderful to show. It's a, a Colby, Colby Kalia fan cast. Did a bad job saying her name. And what we really do here is we talk about things that we're into. I want to say a special thanks. The reaction to last week's episode was really, uh, was really delightful. It really meant a lot. Um, it was like, we, I, it kind of proved what could be cool about doing this show. Again, we're still like pretty new at it. Um, but like Nick Drake talking specifically about Nick Drake is something that's like really important to me. And it's, it resonated with so many people. And that was really, it really meant a lot. It was so cool. Well, we had some nice synergy too, between our, our picks. That is true. This is a fun fact that I think I would like to continue doing is that Griffin and I do not discuss our picks prior to recording. We do not. I was thinking today, because I started to get psyched about Halloween, is that we should have like a spooky episode where we talk about Halloween things we like. And then I think the whole month of December, we can go pretty, pretty hard Mm. on on the holidays because you know how deep I get into that. Um, also, special thanks to Lizzo, who retweeted our, our episode yeah. last week, which was very, very cool. Yeah, so thank you all. That that really meant a lot, and I hope that we can keep sort of connecting with you in that way, because I've been doing podcasts for a while, and um, I don't know, that was so specific and, and so wonderful. I can't say that fucking word. We need a jar <laughs> or something that we put money in when we say the word wonderful, unironically. Um, I think you started last week. I did. Do you it's want me to turn. start out this time? Yes, please. My first thing that I am going to bring this week is... And this is a timely thing, and I haven't really done something like this before, but it's the SNES Classic, the Super Nintendo Entertainment System oh, Classic. here we go. Here we go. Strap in, folks. Um, first things first is dang cute. This little guy is He's so little. tiny, so little, and I like it so much. Uh, we also have the NES Classic. We were lucky enough to have one bestowed upon us by the gods, which was the only way that you could get an NES Classic. You had to climb you know, the mountain, bring the sacrifice, and then Reggie Fisame, the Nintendo man, came and gave it to you. Um, the Nintendo man? There's a big man. Oh, this is wonderful. Shit, I did it again. There's a man <laughs> who is like a, the main sort of face of Nintendo right now, and his name is Reggie Fisame, and he used to be the king of Pizza Hut. Um, and he inv- yeah. he invented See, the- I don't know what that means either. He was like the <laughs> corporate, like, marketing okay, chief. Okay, like the spokesman? Spokesman for Pizza of? Hut. Yeah. And legend, legend has it that it was his idea to do the, uh, the Bigfoot pizza, the, like, 15-foot oh, pizza. Okay. And it made, that's funny because he's in- 
eight and a half yard tall man. Oh, really? Okay. And when I say yard, I'm not using the measurement. I'm talking about like a yard in front of your house. <laughs> Take like eight blocks worth of, anyway. Um, the SNES Classic, if you do not know, it is a sort of little uh, box that you just plug right into your TV, and it is a compilation of 21 Super Nintendo games. And there's some really great ones on there. And I have a few reasons why I wanted to talk about it. First of all, I wanted to try talking about something sort of like actively happening in our lives yeah, right now, because um, we just got this last Friday is when it came out. Um, but also because like the Super Nintendo is it was sort of like my first console that I felt like ownership of. I was born in 87 and that's like when the, the original Nintendo, the NES uh, was, was out and that was in my house when I was born. And so <clears throat> I, I grew up playing that a bit, but I was like zero years old. So it wasn't like I came out, like hand me the controller, <laughs> hand me the, the zapper. Let's, let's get some fucking ducks. Um, mm-hmm. But the original Super Nintendo came to North America in 1991 when I was four years old. And that was like, oh, okay, that's what this is. And now I'm going to get into it. So that was like really my first touchstone with video games, which I have loved my entire life. Um, and you could, I don't think you could do any better for like having the Super Nintendo be that console in, in your life because there were a lot of really great games. Nintendo made a ton of really great games for the console Games like all the Mario games and Zelda and uh, Super Metroid and Pilot Wings and a bunch of really great games. Um, but there was a developer called Squaresoft, which is now known as Square Enix, which is a Japanese developer that made all of these role-playing games. And those are like, the those were the games that I spent my entire childhood playing. Yeah, this is kind of fascinating to me because I grew up in a Sega household. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Um, very deliberately. So I told Griffin, my dad, I love this story, by the way, my dad who reads reviews of everything before he purchases big consumer reports fan. Yes. Uh, he, uh, had heard that the graphics on the Sega Genesis were better. Got duped. So that is what we had. Uh, so when Griffin has shown me these, these games that he loves so much, I just think like, how did you how'd you get into this? It's just little blocks, little squares. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> um, we could get into I which I guess is what Minecraft is, which is a And phenomenon. it's also what a lot of the Sega Genesis games were. Rachel and I had this big heated debate and I realized like, oh man, like elementary school, this is literally all we talked about. The <laughs> the faction war between Mario and Sonic and the different sort of universes mm. that they represented. Like this was all that we talked about. Um Anyway, like, this is a huge tangent, but, uh, Square, Squaresoft's games were, like, hugely influential for me. Um, and I have, like, countless anecdotes because, like, it was how I spent, I was, did community theater growing up. So, like, that was, like, my main, like, a capital H hobby. But, like, my, my free time I spent playing video games and most of those were Squaresoft games. So, like, Final Fantasy 2, which was actually the fourth Final Fantasy game that came out, but only the second one that came to the States. It was called 2. Um, I played that game when I was probably six years old and learned how to read really well because of it. Um, there was a game that came out called Chrono Trigger, which I think is one of the best games of all time I got for Christmas. And I can remember like that was the best Christmas of all time. There was a home video that was like hugely embarrassing because I had like a fucking fit when I opened up the box and there was Chrono Trigger. I was so excited for it. One of my favorite stories is me and my dad used to play this game, Secret of Mana, which is actually on the SNES Classic. It's one of my favorite games of all time. You've actually mm-hmm. been watching me play it. Yeah. Uh, which is like a role playing game with some action elements and you can play with two people at a time. And we would play that together. 
And so me and my dad would always play Secret of Mana, and it was like a really cool, like, I never played sports, and so me and dad didn't play sports together, and so like, this was the thing that we did together, and it was really mm-hmm. great. And I remember distinctly coming home from school one day, and didn't know where dad was, and so I went up in the attic, which is where the, the Super Nintendo was at the time, and I caught him playing Secret of Evermore, which was the <laughs> sequel to the game that he had gone to the store and bought for himself so that he could play it. <laughs> it wasn't like a birthday gift or Christmas gift, which was like our only means of acquiring new video games. We'd have to wait for Christmas and be like, oh, hell yeah, new video game time. Dad like went to the store because he wanted to like get this game and keep playing it. So we played that together too. Like uh, uh, that one is unfortunately not on the box. So like uh, that that is like sort of the, the space that the Super Nintendo filled in my life. And the SNES Classic has like a bunch of my favorite games from that era. It's real cute and real little. And I just love the idea of like having this little self-contained like treasure chest of nostalgia and like the nes classic had that too but again like those games are great and uh important but they didn't like mean as much to me because they weren't like the games that i really was born into that's what's so smart about re-releasing these consoles is all the games are already built in so it's not like people are like having to reinvest in all these cartridges again Um, yeah because i I, I, as you can tell by looking literally into my closet right now like i have a lot of these games they're mm -hmm. expensive as fuck there's a game on here uh, final fantasy 3 which was final fantasy 6 in japan one of the best games ever made and if you wanted to find a cartridge of it like an actual snes cartridge of it it'd probably run you about 80 bucks which Mm -hmm. is the price of the snes classic Mm -hmm. i just love the idea of having this this thing that is full of these little memory capsules and i'm not saying that to be like poetic like that is like that is the space that it fills for me like more than movies or books Mm -hmm. or any tv ever like this is the thing that creates nostalgia inside of me because it is the thing that i spent so much of my time playing so the idea of having a a little library of that stuff that also like i'm constantly thinking about like when henry is older like i can show him like these are the games that i grew up playing like i think that's really cool and it gets me so excited yeah um so that's the SNES Classic. It's kind of hard to find, which is a little bit of a bummer. It's a little bit easier to find than the, than the uh, NES Classic. You don't have to climb the mountain Are with the sacrifice. Are they going to be releasing more? I think that's the plan. They're going to try to do better with their inventory. The yeah. NES Classic, they just did not make enough of them, and then they stopped making it. Yeah. So it's like this, I guess, huge collector's item. Um, but yeah, we have some. I have a list of the games here, but I talked about enough of them, I think. Um, Super Mario RPG is a good one. It's on there, too. I'm excited to dip in. And that Donkey Kong game. Donkey Kong Country is very good. Rachel and I played Kirby's Dream Course, which I'd never played before, but it's like a competitive Kirby-based like mini golf game. I thought it was really fun. Yeah, I had a good time with that. I enjoyed playing that with you because like I'd never played it before. Yeah, so here's the thing. I, as I mentioned before, have not played a lot of these games before, and it is not a lot of fun for me to play games with Griffin uh, because he has logged so many hours into so many of them that... Uh, the deficit is too great. <laughs> yeah. In order to find a game that Rachel and I can really get into together, it needs to not have have that factor in it, uh, which is like what, why we really enjoy the Telltale games, the Telltale Walking Dead games yeah. we got really into. Um, Especially with a two-player game where you take turns playing. Like Griffin and I tried to play some Mario together. Yeah, Super Mario World. And... Uh, I would play for, I don't know, three minutes, and then I would die, and then it would go back to him. And I was like, well, this is not Yeah, it's not really designed for that. There's not a ton of games on there that are good for that, (laughs) except really Secret of Mana. It's like, great. It's just like you can can play together and explore together and cast spells and shit. Mm. I love it. We should play that together. Will you please with me? Yeah. I'll be your father in this scenario. Well, we didn't have to take it in that particular direction. 
What is your first thing this time? Uh, so I try really hard to do current things, um, but it's difficult for me because I feel like most of my interests right now involve the baby. You're done being interested in new things, <laughs> yeah. essentially. Uh, so for this week, my first, uh, I don't know, mention is uh, Wallace Stevens. Wallace Stevens. He's a poet. Okay. He was a poet, I okay. should say. I thought it was the dude from Princess Bride. That's Wallace Shawn. Yeah. My Although next... that could be. That Wallace Shawn would be a really good one. Yeah. Dude's had a storied career. Yeah. You know, Jesse Thorne interviewed him on Bullseye. Oh, you're I kidding. To it yet. I want to hear that. Uh, so Wallace Stevens uh, died in 1955. Um, but his kind of big thing that was really memorable for me for a while. So I learned about him and William Carlos Williams around the same time. Okay. And what was notable about both of them is they had very kind of boring jobs. Uh, William Carlos Williams was a doctor, and Wallace it's not really a boring job. You're well, pulling shit like, out of people's not not at all artsy, not poetic. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, and Wallace Stevens spent most of his life working as an executive for an insurance company in Connecticut. Like, yeah, I don't think as that yeah. being like the on ramp onto the the stage of poetry. Kind of the the big. Um, the big mythos about him is that he used to write poems on slips of paper on his walk to the office and then his secretary would type them up for him. <laughs> well, that's great. Um, but another cool thing about him, he didn't get his first publication until he was 35 and his first book of poems didn't come out until he was 44. Holy shit. Yeah. Which is really, really kind of unique. I mean, I think a lot of people hit 30 and feel like, oh, I haven't accomplished anything. I guess that dream's dead. And very few people, I think <laughs> even like as much smaller subset think like, oh, I'm 35. Time to become a poet. Yeah, like exactly. what? Uh, so some of his best known poems, uh, which I'll, I'll say just for the people out there who may be big poetry nerds, uh, The Emperor of Ice Cream, which is kind of his biggest one. Uh, and The Snowman, um, Sunday morning, the idea of order at Key West. Interesting thing about Wallace Stevens, much like Hemingway, got real into, into Key West, Florida. Hmm. And there's actually all these stories. So Wallace Stevens, the guy, not particularly great, like big alcoholic, and apparently got in physical fights with both Robert Frost and Hemingway. Now, I wouldn't, Hemingway, <laughs> I could see that being true yeah. about. Was Frost a real, like, did he, did he have a tight haymaker? Is that, <laughs> I, I would, I would not assume that Most about Robert Frost. Most of his Frost. feud with Frost took place in letters and correspondence. They would kind of jab at each but other. But for a poet, that's like, that's like I a know. dirty shot to the nards. So here's here's my thing with Wallace Stevens. It's very rare for me to like entire Wallace Stevens poems, but he's got these little pithy stanzas that just kill me. I really hope you're about to read poetry because that's my favorite thing in the whole yeah, world. I am. Oh, good. Uh, so this is from the Snowman, and this is just this is just three lines of the poem that just like get me. Uh, for the listener who listens in the snow. And nothing himself beholds, nothing that is not there, and the nothing that is. Damn, Wallace Stevens! Isn't that great is the whole the whole poem is about this kind of stark, wintry wasteland, and I just love that line: the nothing that is not there, and the nothing that is. That's really good. Do you have now, more? I want more, more poetry. <clears throat> the thing, that, so this is all going to sound like I'm kind of like high, but I promise you. <laughs> I've been with Rachel all evening, I assume, <laughs> unless she went to the bathroom to eat, so eat here, weed. Do you eat weed? I don't know. So, I don't know go know ahead. what the kids do now. Okay, so this is from a poem called The Well-Dressed Man with a Beard. 
Can, we've never talked about this like ever. Rachel went to school for poetry, and it is not a thing that like really c- comes up a lot. But whenever it does, like I cannot tell you how much happiness it brings me. <laughs> yeah, I went uh, graduate school at University of Chicago, and they have a one year program in humanities that I went to, and I wrote a collection of sh- poems. Uh, you realize by saying that the yeah, folks are going to want you to read them now on the I'm show. Terrified. No, well, that's your, that's your, please do not pressure Rachel to okay, do that. So that's this her is prerogative. Another, this is another three lines from the well-dressed man with a beard. I think also at the end, both these are the big closers. And this, I feel like this is so poignant right now and like all the terrible things that are happening in the world. So here are the lines. After the final no, there comes a yes. And on that yes, the future world depends. No was the night. Yes is the present sun. <laughs> Rachel just dissolved after she read that. It was I very good. I literally got chills while I was reading it. Yeah, I it just was really like, good. it's so powerful for me. I It's interesting. I, again, I'm not a huge fan of his poem start to finish, but those closers are incredible. Just thinking of this, you know, 40 something year old man walking to his insurance company job. Did he eventually quit the insurance company job or was that like his, is this his side gig? I mean, that's the thing. Like, so he he won the Pulitzer Prize for poetry for his collected poems in 1955, which was also the year he died. So I'm not sure if oh, it was wow. posthumous or not. But I mean, it's not like poem. You it's know, not like it's bringing in the big bucks. I'm sure he's making a decent yeah, sure. living at the insurance company. It doesn't necessarily seem prudent to quit that for yeah. his poems. Um so yeah, so I just I love I just love a lot about him and I obviously love those those little short snippets there. I would pay any amount of money for I don't know how this would exist but like a nice like viral video clip of him just tussling with Robert Frost. <laughs> yeah, uh he was really critical of Robert Frost and they would exchange jabs cuz they've had very how different styles. How could you be critical of Robert Frost's of poetry? Shit, okay. Yeah, I think I, the road less traveled find, is bad. I have to find the clip from their correspondence. I'll share it in the Facebook group. Some gold things can stay. <laughs> that was him, right? I don't think oh, so. No, wait. Oh, shit. Hold on. Nothing gold can stay wasn't Robert Frost. I apologize. I'm not very good with stuff like that. Oh, it is. Give me your, give me your degree. It's mine now. Now, now, who's the poetry one? You know that? Just can't. I just not like the outsiders a lot. Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking. That's what resonated with me. Now, I um, memorizing poetry is not a big part of poetry school. Really? Really? Then what are you doing? Why that was actually something that was really popular. My grandma, who has a terrible memory now, is still able to recite poems. That was my favorite. My first meeting with <laughs> with your grandma, like you guys, just her reciting poetry to you from memory was like, oh my god, I'm getting, I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting touched just thinking about it. Uh, yeah, so that's that's Wallace Stevens. That was really good. I really want you to talk about poetry on the show as much as you possibly well, you can because I think it's very some, good. I got I got a whole arsenal of poets that I'm a big fan of. Good. Um, before we get into that, though, maybe we could. Um, this is the opposite of poetry, so there's just no good segue. But maybe we could make a little bit of money. Mm. Is that a fish? A little fishy? Yeah, sure. It's whatever you want it to be. <laughs> Just like poetry. <laughs> Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? 
is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people, you can, you can sell uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain you want to read the first jumbotron for me yeah this message is for caleb zane hewitt it is from Austin. I am so proud of you for getting your book published. I won't say the name of it so that this still counts as a personal message. <laughs> but I, oh, no. But I'm sure motivated audience members can find it. Thank you for reminding me that magic is easy. That's the name. Of, is, that's the name of the book. I think so. Magic is easy, but oh, that's so. If that's the name of the book, this is the best. Like we oughta baby eats a boy <laughs> shit ever, and I'm so into it. I love you immensely, and I'm so excited for your next book. We all are. That's so wonderful. Congratulations, thank you. Caleb. Thank you for sharing that with us. From one published author <laughs> to oh, another. Listen, a lot of the a lot of you folks don't get this, but when you're part of the literate elite. Do you want to like, say what the book is? Where yeah, I wrote a short stuff? story for a Star Wars short story compilation called A Certain uh, Point of View. And I have no problem promoting it because all of the proceeds are going to charity. So I'm not making any money off of it. But it's a really cool project. And I was very honored to be included. So thank you, Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> here is a message. It's for Maddie. And it's from Kate who says, Dear Maddie, thank you for being an excellent cousin and friend, for watching Dumb Space Nerds and Dwayne The Rock Johnson-related products with me. And thanks for hassling me to listen to so many McElroy products. You got me. 
Happy nearest life event to airtime from Kate, Griffin, Rachel, and everyone's good, good son, Ango. Keep it up. And they wanted this in early October. So like, I don't know, it's probably your birthday. Uh, happy, very spooky Halloween. Um, God, we have to figure out costumes. Ugh. I wish there was a service you could just pay to like have them figure out the costumes for you because it brings me so much anxiety and dread. I mean, it's called just going to Amazon. And- I know. <laughs> Who's got the time? Uh, congratulations on whatever holiday means the most to you right now, Maddie. <laughs> How's it going, everyone? I'm Oliver Wang. And I'm Morgan Rhodes. We have a brand new show on the Maximum Fun Network that we'd love to share with you. It's called Heat Rocks. Morgan, we should probably explain what a heat rock is. It is a banger, a fire track, true fire. Right. Dope album. Each episode, we will bring on a special guest to join us to talk about one of their heat rocks. It might be a musician. A writer. Maybe a scholar. I mean, I would have been happy to just talk to you about your heat rocks, but this is a different show. Yeah. So. I think people might enjoy hearing maybe the guests instead. To do that, you'll have to go to MaximumFun.org. So if you want to talk about hot music, you should check us out. Heat rocks. Do you want to hear my second thing? I do. You've broken my computer in a way that I don't quite understand. I pressed the down arrow. Oh my god. You pressed the down arrow. How could you do this? The second thing that I wish to discuss on this week's episode of Wonderful, why are you laughing at me? (laughs) You're so formal. Is getting a haircut. Okay. I ring this out because I'm getting a haircut tomorrow and I could not be more excited about it. And thinking about that, I'm almost always excited to get a haircut. When I've scheduled the haircut and I got that haircut appointment on the books, I just know like I'm in for a pretty good time. Whenever I come around. That is a good point because you and I both push it. I push it. We both go as long as we can until we literally hate looking at ourselves in the mirror. (laughs) My hair is doing, I don't know if you can see it's doing the like flip up over the, maybe the headphones been Mm -hmm. pushing it down. I, um, uh, my hair grows in real fucking thick, real fast. I am at basically once a month, uh, every, every four weeks I need to go in to get my, my shit touched Griffin, up. Griffin has hair unlike anyone in his family, family and uh, unlike anyone I've ever met before. Yeah. It grows out and up. It's unique. I don't know why I was given this, this blessing, but the result <laughs> is that like, my hair doesn't get longer. It just gets thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker. So I think I, in particular, like am genetically suited to enjoy a good haircut for so many reasons. <laughs> I will never forget. I let my hair, uh, I, I used to go to a place that my mom picked out for all of us, a, a, a hair salon in Huntington, West Virginia called Happy Hair Boutique. What's up? <laughs> Ooh, What's boutique. up, HHB? Because the woman who worked there worked at church and I assume gave us uh, some pretty good rates. Um, and I would never get my hair cut. I would only get it thinned out ever, ever. I would only get it thinned out. So they would use the thinning scissors to like yeah. thin the hair, but they would never actually cut it. And the result of that is it was thick like a briar patch, thick <laughs> mo- like molasses up on top of my head. And it looked awful. It looked so bad. Didn't it get super long though? It didn't get like long. It didn't like go down. <laughs> it just went out, right? Uh, and I let it, I, that was like my style. Cause I kept going back to the HHB through like college to like my senior year of college. And then my senior year of college, my brother was friends with a woman named Mo, who was a hairstylist who worked in this place downtown. Um, and she like cut all of Travis's friend's hair. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I've been doing the same thing for 15 years, basically as, as long as I've been getting haircuts, why don't I see how the other 
half lives. And she cut my hair and she cut it all the fuck off. And I was like, oh my God. It was the most liberating day I'd ever had in my entire <laughs> life. And I like went to school. Like I had class at, at Marshall the, that same day. And people were like, what? Because I'd literally had my hair like puffy and out and terrible. How old for were you? 20, oh my 21. Gosh, um, and so, like, since that day, like, I just always love a good haircut. And for a lot of reasons. First of all, I think haircuts feel good as heck. Like, the actual act of getting your hair cut feels good. Like, a scalp massage element to it that is good. I think there's a lot of people who dig on, like, the ASMR-y sort of parts of it. Like, scissors making the stimpy sound around your ears. Um, and I, I just think it feels good to get your hair cut. Especially when you have, like, a... Um, this this has nothing to do with like the tactile feel of it, but like it is nice when you have a hairstylist with whom you have not only rapport but trust. That is the jam. Griffin, like, and this is interesting to me because I never think about this, but Griffin is really concerned about his ability to make polite conversation with the person cutting his hair, and always oh. feels badly if he is not able to do. Yeah, so. there's this thing that is like. Uh, it's this new thing that like, it, it's just sort of starting to catch on, uh, gain sort of popularity called just like huge social anxiety, yeah, like overwhelming social anxiety in literally every circumstance where I leave the house, not a joke. And so like, uh, yeah, I stress out about that. And, and so it is nice to like, ha- not just have somebody you can talk to, but somebody who you know is going to do a good job. And you know, is like, there's just not going to be like uncomfy gaps in the convo. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like that, that is really nice. Just like having a person who, in, in, not just with hairstyles, just like anything where you have a trusted source that you can go to and build rapport with, whether that is the butcher around the corner or the barista at the coffee shop you like to go to when you, or the record store owner, like any like person in that you go to their like business or whatever and form rapport with them i think is awesome and and this is like a a very common form of that um and then you get your hair cut and you look way different isn't that (laughs) you're you're laughing but like it is it is thinking about it wild to me that we have this stuff that grows on our head for a lot of us there are folks who who do not have hair that grows on their head um but for a lot of us that you you have this stuff that grows on top of your head and then you go to somebody. I'm laughing because this whole episode sounds like we are wicked. Or super high. not high. I promise. <laughs> I, I I think that like there is something to like when you get high, it opens up your mind in a way where you start to appreciate things that have always been actually kind of awesome. And one of those things is that we have this stuff that grows on top of our head that we go and we see somebody and they cut it, and then the whole like our whole visage looks different now. That's great. That's mm-hmm. really wild to me. And if they do a bad job, it's just going to keep on coming. It's going to come on back. Who cares? I will tell you the other thing I appreciate about a haircut, because I am right there with you, is um, that it, it will kind of class up whatever you do anyway. Mm. So I, um, I'm i not somebody that puts a lot of time into um, like a like a beauty routine. Sure. Uh, so I kind of need my hair to look as if I did something to it and a haircut can definitely do that for you. And a lot of times I just feel interestingly feel like more, um, presentable and professional just. Sure. But even if you can't go to like the salon and get like a nice, a nice service or whatever, just like getting your hair cut and looking different 
because of this stuff that's on top of your head that you changed. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. That's really, really neat. And then when people talk, like tell you, people recognize that you got a haircut or say something about it, that's the best too. Yeah, that is really nice. That's really good. Do that. Whenever you see somebody and you know they got their haircut or you think they got their haircut, I pull that trigger all the time and I miss a lot of the time. But it doesn't offend people when you're like, did you get a haircut? And they say no. But they love it when it's true. <laughs> I will say Griffin says that to me a lot. If my hair is particularly dirty. That's uh, <laughs> a mean. Okay. <laughs> Do you know about the barber pole? Do you know the origins of it? Are you interested to hear the origins? I tried looking up like the history of haircutting. I do. And... I, do. I think I do. Can I, can I try yeah, yeah, it? Shoot it. Shoot it. Uh, so barbershops used to also deal in um, like bloodletting. Like surgery. Sure. Yeah. And so the barber pole is supposed to represent like blood yeah the red stripe is blood and the blue stripe is like unoxygenated blood and the white stripe is supposed to be a bandage it is mean several different it, it's meant several different things throughout time but that is the original mm-hmm. baby you passed the test yeah. you've solved my i thought that was going to be like a fun new trivia segment but you just I can't crushed memorize it poems but i can memorize things like that <laughs> all right well that's the end of my segment i want to hear what your second thing is okay this i think will be fun so i Today, when I was coming up with things to talk about, I was thinking about the movie Breaking Away, which okay. I had you watch. That's not actually what I'm Wait, talking about. Wait, did I watch Breaking? Oh, yeah, yeah this, with the, Stern, the biking, the biking, biking movie. movie. Okay, yeah. with Daniel it's, Stern. Yeah, it's it's a movie from 1979. Daniel Stern, I think, is one of the only recognizable actors in it. But it's a movie about a bunch of townies who participate in this college town bike race. Uh, and I was just thinking about, do I want to talk about that? And so I was researching it a little, and then I found that the American Film Institute has a list of top 100 most inspiring movies. Oh, my God. Are we going to just do the damn thing? Well, so I obviously I'm not going to read all 100. Can we have an episode that's reading all 100 <laughs> of the most inspiring movies? That episode would be intolerable because it would just be us saying like, oh, shit, Rudy. Yeah, you know, Rudy's number one. Here's the thing. I knew you were going to mention Rudy. And so I specifically looked where it was listed on. It's not even in the top 50. It's like 53. Uh, you know what? Fuck this okay, list. Hold on, Griffin. Slow down. No, I'm gonna take I'm taking the slow offense position. Down, no, Griffin. I can't slow down because Rudy's the most inspiring. Let me tell you the criteria. <sighs> can't have Sean Astin in it. Okay. So starting in nineteen ninety eight, uh the American Film Institute did a series where each year they would li- release a new list, um, including like top heroes and villains, top comedies, top scores, top uh, musicals, etc., and this is top cheers. Uh, so the criteria is movies that inspire with characters of vision and conviction who face adversity and often make a personal sacrifice for the greater good. You're literally describing Rudy. Go <laughs> whether, ahead. Whether these films end happily or not, they are ultimately triumphant, both filling audiences with hope and empowering mm-hmm. them with the spirit of human potential. Still sounds like Rudy with. Uh... But listen, okay, so listen to the top. Listen to the top ten. All right, but I'm gonna be coming at these hard. They better be bangers. It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, all right. To Kill a Mockingbird. I never actually saw that. Oh, Griffin. Yeah, I've never seen it. You have to. I've, I've like, read it. I've just never seen oh, it. you have to watch it. It's so good. Okay. Uh, Schindler's List. Yeah. Rocky. Yeah. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Yeah, that one's really good. Here's one that I can see, but surprise oh, me. Oh, this is the weak point. I'm coming for you. Number six, E.T., Ugh, like no, come no, but not. But it's, it's not. Inspiring? It's not inspiring, and it's not <laughs> even close to Rudy inspiring. Uh, seven is Grapes of Wrath. 
Eight is Breaking Away. Wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, not as good as three. Nine, Miracle on 34th Street. Ten, Saving Private Ryan. Eleven, a movie I'd never heard of from 1946 called The Best Years of Our Lives. I don't know that one. Uh, Apollo 13 is number 12. <sighs> Hoosiers, number 13. Hoosiers. Hoosiers above Rudy. Come on, guys. Bridge on the River Kwai for number 14. And for number 15, The Miracle Worker. So is it the thing that you bring just like this list of super I fucking inspiring ass movies? Yeah, it's really good. I mean, I it's think... the criteria are bullshit, but it's also very cool that it exists. <laughs> Griffin. Rudy's so good. I think, here's what I think. Rudy, universally... Men love that it's movie. It's too obvious. Yeah, it's too obvious. And also it appeals mostly, I think, to men. Untrue. Falsehood. Not true. Hateful. A hateful thing to say. I think it's 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 more exclusive. It's not as much about the human experience, maybe, as it is about the um, small boy experience. <laughs> it is about the small boy experience, but it is also not a football movie at all. Because there's not... <laughs> this is actually... I remember the first time I watched the movie... I was, and I'm so sorry to have hijacked your thing, but I remember thinking, like, at some point, certainly, the boy will play football, right? And he doesn't until the very end. He plays a little bit of football, and that's enough. That's what's great about that movie. It gives you no football, no football, no football, no football. And at the end, it's like, here's a little football, and you're like, yeah, it's the best. I just think. It's a, it's a Wonderful Life was number one, though? Yes. Yeah, I mean, that, that oh, Jesus, that movie. Like, inspiring. Like, you watch it, and you feel like, my life could be okay. I became a better person after I watched that movie for the first time. I watched that movie for the first time when I was, it was like late college for me. And they had a showing of it in December um, at an old movie theater in Huntington. You didn't see It's a Wonderful Life to late college? We've talked about this before. Like, we did not watch that many classic movies in my house. That's the so classic- interesting because the McElroy tradition now is exclusively to watch Christmas movies the entire month of December. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would watch Christmas movies. It's just It's a Wonderful Life was, life was so not on the rotation. Weird. Yeah, I know. It's strange. I, I do not know why that was a... Probably because, like, the three of us just were like, ugh, black and white, nope. No, thanks. No. Uh, yeah, we watched a lot of classic Doctor Who, but not a lot of classic movies. <laughs> um, that movie, yeah, I, we watched that. I watched it in a theater when I was like nineteen, Aww. and I remember walking out of it like, "Oh my god!" Like that's what holiday movies should be like. Like, yeah, yeah. The man. relationship. This is not the point of my topic, but the relationship between um, the two leads, Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed. I think. I think it so. Is. Yeah. Uh, it holds up. It's the best. Griffin and I watch that every year, and I am still charmed by their pairing. Yeah, oh. it's timeless. So good. Timeless. So yeah, so uh, if you're interested in the other movies that made the list, again, it's the American Film Institute, and I just I saw that, and I thought, like, this is how I'm going to pick movies the next time I, I'm feeling the need for some Some for inspiration. Some yeah. Yeah. I would say maybe go a little bit further down the list <laughs> for an inspirational movie, particularly spot number, like, 53, say, for instance. <laughs> Little film with Sean Astin and, uh, oh, who's that dude who plays Lucky in the Iron Man movies? John Favreau. John Favreau's in that mm-hmm. one. What other movies has Sean Astin been in? The Lord of the Rings films? The oh, Goonies? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. What were you about to, sorry, were you, were you looking for <laughs> evidence right there? What was going on right there? I know that you weren't about to go after Sean Astin, my dude. <laughs> There was a great thing with Sean Astin in, um, I saw the Goonies late too. I saw the Goonies pretty late. The first time I watched it was on a DVD that was like the special edition of the Goonies. And I fell in love with it instantly because it's a great film. 
And that DVD has a, uh, a video commentary track where like all of the stars of the movie would like pop in and, and talk about stuff. And what is really great is they recorded that while Sean Astin was filming the Lord of the Rings movies. And so there was at one point during the commentary, he's like, okay, well, sorry, everybody. I have to go because I'm got to go shoot Lord of the Rings. And everybody else sitting there was like, well, I don't have anything else to work on right now. And they gave him such a hard time. And then they popped out a little Samwise Gamgee action figure in his place and put it up on the table instead of him. It was very good. Uh, hey, I have a few submissions here. I'm going to read them real quick. Uh, uh, here's one from Zach, who says, I am a teacher at an English school in China, and my students, mostly middle or high school-aged kids, get to pick their own English names. Some of my favorite have been Salt, Sailor, Meat, Gorilla, Master, Varrock, Lucifer, Duke, Big Gun, Romstein, <laughs> Uh, uh, Summer Boy and Philip Underwood. I love the self-expression and it always makes my day to go through attendance. That's awesome. That's the best shit ever. Uh, here is another one from Rachel and Casey who say, my husband and I agree that a bed made with clean sheets tops our list of wonderful things. The clean smell of the detergent and the crisp feel of the sheets is one of the best things in life. Bonus points if the sheets were line dried on a breezy sunny day. A lot of people write about sheets. Sheets are very good and very important to a lot of people. Uh, Cameo says, guys, I'm so pumped about Halloween cereal. It's the only time of year they make booberry, so I buy a ton at once. It's my favorite. Um, what's your, do you like, I don't really, I know booberry very, very well. I'm very intimate with booberry, but I don't really know, like, Count Chocula or anything like that. I don't really have connection to sugary cereals. You don't cereal. really like sugary cereals. No. Uh, but it is very exciting. Thank you, Cameo. Here's one from Brett, who says, I love shoveling snow. The whole world is quiet except for the of your boots with every step. There's some Robert Frost for you. <laughs> Because it's poetry, not because I was making a frost pun. Uh, it's cold and hard work sometimes, but it's wonderful when I get back inside, have a steaming shower, and snuggle back into bed. Now that's the best. That part I can get into. Live in Chicago, I shoveled snow once, and I said, never again, but yeah. I did like the shower in bed afterwards. It was extremely good. Hey, thank you to Maximum Fun for having us. You can go to MaximumFun.org. Check out all the great shows there. Shows like Lady to Lady and Judge John Hodgman and Stop Podcasting Yourself. And I think our son just woke up, so it's really hard to keep listing things. Let's wrap up the show very quickly. Thank you. Go to McElroyShows.com and check out all the great podcasts there. And anything else, baby? No, that's it. Okay, we got to go because the baby just woke up. So we'll talk to you next. This could be our new outro. Baby woke up. Bye. Bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Every week on Inside Pop, we take turns recommending something great from the world of pop culture to each other. And in the month of October, we're going big, very big, with the Big Sell 30. Every day for 30 days, we're going to suggest some type of pop culture to check out. Things that may not be on your radar, but will be well worth trying. From TV to music to movies and more, The Big Cell 30 is as irresistible as a Jedi mind trick. As convincing as an Annalise Keating closing argument. And as seductive as Miguel singing a ballad shirtless and slightly sweaty. 
Follow us on Twitter at Pop Insiders for daily big sells and listen to Inside Pop every week for big sells from some special guests. The Big Sell 30 starts October 1st and runs every day of the month on Inside Pop.